We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It is another edition. It's a Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. You, you, know, you're good fr- you, you know you're good friends with someone when you find yourself discussing in detail your soup selection today. And said yeah. person sits there and goes, oh, really? Like they're interested. <laughs> We're sitting here. We're doing like the the last things you're planning the show, and John's mm. telling me his like soup narrative. I'll do a monologue about my soup, and, I, and then I catch myself and go in my head. You know, I go, "She doesn't care." And why do you care? Why do you even care, John, about your soup selection? Anyway, why it was wedding it, soup. Why is any of this even happening? I don't know. Very good. Very nice. Hey, a beautiful day out today, is it not? It's election Gorgeous. day, mm. which means that tomorrow, no more ads. That's what I'm looking for. Well, there'll probably be like you know other ads, like you know. I don't know, vote stealing ads or something like oh that. Do you think there'll, there'll be something like that? I want the whole stinking right? thing to be over. Have you voted yet? Nope, I'm voting on my way home. Thank Very you good. for asking. Very good. Did, Excellent. Oh, we're going to get an update from you at five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, we introduced the story yesterday that um, John was implicated. A friend of mine sent me an email who said, "Listen, you should be aware because I went to this." voting thing that said perhaps your vote me john hall is invalid because it had j hall my name or my address and uh, your, my age your birth yeah your birthday uh, not my address yeah your, your, my the date township. of your birth the date of your birth all these things yeah so i was like what the heck i did my mail in ballot which i've never done before right and then i thought did i mess that up somehow right i screwed it up well oh, and we're gonna <clears throat> We're going to hear the end of that story oh, at 5 o'clock. I'm I can't a, wait. I'm walking around for like a day and a half thinking, you are such a loser. How I don't could you know mess how up the I'm going to live through the next hour without knowing well, the conclusion you. of that story. Yeah, I anyway, won't tip the scales. That's coming up at 5. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, um, the knowledge crisis breaking our brains, polluting our politics, and corrupting Christian community. That'll be Bonnie Christian um, or maybe Christiane. I'm not really sure how to pronounce her last name, but she's going to be in studio with us at 5 o'clock, and I'm going to ask her Good. in person. I'll tell her my soup story. Um, also, a, uh, a newspaper carrier rescues an elderly couple from a fire in Toronto. I love that. A really terrific story. Um, and uh, there's a TikToker who had a golf ball into the Grand Canyon. <laughs> that Don't do that. That didn't turn Don't out Don't mar up. Okay. That's in the 5 o'clock the hour. beauty. And also coming up in this hour, a Philadelphia man ate 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days. Mm. <laughs> Why is the question. I don't know. That's... I think it was actually for a good reason. Okay, very good. Okay. I mean, you want to hang around for all those stories. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about Election Day, but we thought we'd you know put in some things that are a little lighter because it's been so much heavy, heavy. Mm-hmm. Gosh. But it is over today. Yes, it is over. Very nice. Okay. But are we going to know who wins? No, probably not. Okay. No, because the mail-in ballots, right. of which yeah, yeah. I'm raising my hand, are part. It might be weeks. So you're. You think? So it's your fault. Probably a Thanks, part of it. John. Probably a part of it. It's Jeez. okay. All right. Uh, without further ado, then the uh, world continues to revolve. And Kath, please give us the top stories. The top four at four. Mm-hmm. 
For Tuesday, November 8th, mm. John, 2022, it is Election Day. Lovely. Number one. Steep Russian casualties in key battles in eastern Ukraine have prompted an unusual public outcry and sharp criticism of military commanders by surviving soldiers and family members who say that uh, the units that their loved ones served in were led to slaughter by poorly planned operations. And that's a conversation that's happening inside Russia. Horrible. It's an amazing story. It really is an amazing story. Um, I read this in the Washington Post today. It talked about an official statement from the Russian Defense Ministry, which sought to play down the reportedly high death toll among soldiers. It's the first time since the start of Russia's invasion that the ministry has officially responded to reports of mass, ca- mass casualties and criticism of commanders on Telegram, which is the main platform used by officials and reporters and bloggers covering the Russian war. I mean, I'm shocked that they're allowing this to happen. Listen to this. On Sunday, which was just two days ago, um, military correspondents posted the text of a letter sent by members of the 155th Brigade, okay, decrying an order that sent them into what they are calling, quote, an incomprehensible offensive in the village of Pavlika, quote, as a result of the carefully in quotes, planned offensive by the great generals, also in quotes, we lost 300 people killed, wounded, and missing, as well as half the equipment in only four days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this is, I can't believe that this is, that they're, the people are discussing this in places other than a dark corner somewhere. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's good news. Well, the great Russian army is not as great as we thought it was. Whenever the truth comes out, though, it's got to be good for everybody. Number two, Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's campaign for U.S. Senate has joined the legal fight over whether mail-in ballots like John's with no date or the incorrect date should Uh be counted in today's election. The uh, Fetterman campaign sued state election officials asking a federal judge to order that all mail ballots be counted regardless of what date, if any, voters wrote on the outside of the envelope. Number three. But, of course, you know, the the court's already ruled that that's not going to happen. Right. Number three. Suit. Um, I decided to lighten it up for today's hey, top four. Good. Are Can you excited about that? Get a pet story or anything? I have a weird animal story. Okay. Might be a weird human story. Uh, the National Park Service, John, urging visitors not to lick toxic toads that can be found in its parks. Imagine, like, going to a national park in search of a toxic toad. What, the psychedelic toad? The right? Sonoran Desert Toad, mm-hmm. also known as the Colorado River Toad, secretes a potent toxin that can make you sick. Uh, it's nearly seven inches long. And um, while the Park Service admitted in its post that this late-night content is one that no one asked for, visitors apparently must be reminded not to lick the toad. Mm-hmm. Don't kiss it either. Exactly. And number four, a prospective air traveler was roasted by the TSA on social media yesterday after officials with the federal agency said it caught a person trying to conceal a gun inside a raw chicken stashed in carry-on luggage. What? And that is your top four at four. <laughs> Would you like a few more details about that? Yes, please. What was the intent of that? The weapon was flagged by TSA in Fort Lauderdale, where officials found it wrapped in what looked like thin paper packaging and hidden inside the said raw chicken. Uh, The official TSA Instagram account was taken over by somebody with a good sense of humor on Monday because they included photos of the uncooked bird being examined at the airport and the gun removed and unwrapped. It says, there's a fowl here. Wait, the plot chickens 
As we barrel our way closer to Thanksgiving, this is the official quote from TSA. For us, they said, it's a time to be thankful that our uh, that our officials are always working around the clock to keep you safe. Wait, it's not over. We hate to break it to you here, but stuffing a firearm, stuffing a firearm in your holiday bird for travel is just a waste of time. Oh, boy. <laughs> this idea wasn't even half-baked. It was raw, greasy, and obviously unsupervised. The only roast happening here is this poor packing choice, and TSA concluded by saying, feather you like it or not, there are rules for traveling with guns and ammunition. What the heck are people thinking? Yes, but that, okay, so that is bizarre. But there are other bizarre things. Within the last year, a chainsaw was flagged in New Orleans, and something the agency called a meth burrito confiscated in Houston. That's from CBS Today. The friendly skies. Hmm? It's been a while since I've flown, and uh, happy that I'm not up there. You actually can take your Thanksgiving dinner uncooked on a plane. Really? Mm -hmm. There are regulations. But putting a firearm inside it, not encouraged. 101.5 WORD. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. We're ubiquitous. There's an app for that, right? On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. On your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101.5 WORD. Uncle Ryan, the news. We need a a watchdog a panic room because mortgage rates have gotten higher but the news uncle ryan it's like the british are coming or worse a birthday catastrophe <laughs> can't say that word catastrophe it's ryan from united faith mortgage and yes we're going heavy on the jokes to make a point mortgage rates are up and no it's not optimal for anyone but there is another reality life does go on maybe you're ready for your first home your dream home Or maybe it's time to downsize. Life goes on. Rates have been higher in the past, and good people still need new homes. The point we want to make is... If you buy a new home this year, and you don't use our direct lender advantage, which can often save you monthly and lifelong money, along with us paying $1,000 of your closing costs, you'd be crazier than a watchdog in a panic room. See what we did there? We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a listener 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-S-H-A-R-E-55. 833-SHARE-55. Dancing crew. Trip for two. Nail the final interview. Game with Doug. Brand new mug. Come here, kid. Give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. Boosters designed for COVID-19 variants are now available. 
If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster appointment as soon as you're eligible. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Of course, this being Election Day, it made us think about politics in the pews at our own churches. Now, some pastors preach from the pulpit about politics. Many choose not to. But politics is inescapable. Whether it's at the Chick-fil-A or in the pews of your local church, people are going to speak their mind about their opinions. And, of course, when people speak their minds, there's always spats that are not far behind. That's why Daniel K. Williams is with us. He's professor of history at the University of West Georgia, the author of Defenders of the Unborn, the pro-life movement before Roe v. Wade. He wrote a piece we saw on CT called Three Principles for Setting Political, for Settling Political Spats in the Church. And, Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Boy, you have written such a great article. I mean, I'm I, whoever's listening to the program now, I really encourage you to check out this article. Um, and what you've said, I think, is so important, and the way you've said it is just really terrific, Daniel. So let's start with this. Um, as we as Christians seek to relate to one another, um, politics is a gigantic barrier right now. Um, you state in your article that stat that John and I have seen over and over, which is that parents are more concerned that their children marry somebody of the same political party as the family more than they are concerned that they marry someone who's of a similar faith or faith tradition. Um, so that tells us, Daniel, or maybe what does it tell us about where we are right now? It tells us that we're taking our cues from the political world when it comes to morality to a greater degree then we're taking our cues from uh, the world of faith. I think politics has become uh, a new source of identity uh, for people, a new source of moral identity. And, of course, that's a problem uh, for Christians because, as we know, if we're followers of Jesus, um, ultimately our identity in Christ is supposed to uh, supersede everything else. But I think for the majority of Americans, that's not the case. No, sadly, it is not the case. So, Dan, you go into the principles, and your first principle is, you say this, both of our major political parties reflect some Christian principles, but also mix those with heretical distortions of biblical truths. Yes. Um, both the Republican and Democratic parties were founded by many people who were uh, either believers in Jesus or at the very least influenced by a Christian culture, both of them have been deeply influenced over the past century and a half by uh, people who made moral claims uh, based on their their Christian understandings. And so it shouldn't be a surprise, therefore, that uh, we can find elements of Christian truth in, in both political parties. Uh, in the case of the Democratic Party, a historic uh, concern for the poor and marginalized, which, of course, is one application of a biblical principle in the case of the, of the Republican Party uh, in recent years, statements on uh, the importance of marriage, uh, the, the importance of, of defending human life, which uh, reflect Christian principles uh, as well. And, and so uh, that can be both good, something to be thankful for, but also dangerous for believers when we begin equating an entire party's identity political platform uh, with the, the cause of Christian morality, because if, if we start to look below the surface, we may well find, in fact, I think we should, we, we uh, will find uh, parts of the party's 
platforms on both sides mm-hmm. that uh, distort those principles and really amount to what I would call heresy if we began equating those platform statements in their entirety uh, with biblical morality. Danielle, I've heard, um, and this is not heard as in I read a tweet. I mean, I've had conversations with people, actual conversations, and heard people say, I heard a person tell me, uh, I don't know how anybody can be a Christian and vote Republican right now. And I have heard people say, a person say, I don't know how anybody can be a Christian and vote Democrat now. So these are both people who are Christians who think that there's absolute that they're not allowing for any possibility that somebody could be a Christian and vote for the other party. Right. Yeah, I've heard similar things. And I, I think people who make those comments tend to distort uh, application or strategy with uh, biblical principles. Yeah, I think that's so a good point. Yeah. one might well say correctly uh, that a person could not uh, be a theologically orthodox Christian and endorse same-sex marriage or endorse abortion rights, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or show a lack of, of concern for the poor or a lack of lack of concern for racial justice. All of those things would be true, but the, the problem is that when we don't allow for uh, individual interpretations as to how best to carry out those divinely ordained missions, uh, then that's when we can get into some areas of confusion, where we we begin confusing one particular application or one particular strategy that perhaps makes sense to us, uh, but confusing that particular partisan strategy uh, with the principle itself. Mm -hmm. From the University of West Georgia, we're talking with Daniel Williams about three principles for settling political spats in the church. A second principle that you write, Dan, is Christians' political disagreements are often about strategy rather than moral principles. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, it's very common, I think, for Christians to say uh, the sort of things that we were just talking about when it comes to um, an issue that they think is, is crystal clear from a theological perspective, an issue like abortion, for example, or uh, like um, concern for for the uh, the poor, concern for the immigrant, concern for uh, racial justice. And uh, in every case, I think if we look below the surface, if we if we look at faithful Christians who are trying to be uh, to carry out biblical teaching in their lives. Uh, that on both sides of the political divide, we'll find people that really are concerned about these issues, that, that really do want to uh, reduce abortion rates, preferably to zero, or at least as close to that as possible, uh, who really do want to see uh, the poor uh, given meaningful opportunities and, and uh, protected. But the question is, how best do we do that? And that's where Christians... Uh, can get into disagreements on legitimate areas of, of differences of interpretation of American history, of uh, the role of law, the role of the mm-hmm. church. Some Christians believe, for example, that a law against abortion is a very good way to stop abortion. Other Christians may well think that there may be other strategies uh, that would would perhaps be more effective. Uh, the same thing with in regard to caring for the poor. Some people believe that a, a government 
program uh, that would provide universal health insurance, for example, um, would be very effective. Other people uh, believe that that uh, private entities, especially churches, uh, can best handle some of these things. And and I, I think there are good answers um, to guide us as to which strategies may be most effective, but those answers are probably not going to come directly from the Bible or directly from Christian teaching. They're going to involve analyses of economics, analyses of, of politics, analyses of, of recent American history, uh, and those are all areas uh, on which Christians can legitimately disagree uh, and still worship together mm-hmm. and still believe in, in the same Christian principles. And I wonder, uh, Daniel, if if some of that also just comes down to personality or, you know, how your brain works, uh, what your preferences are. Um, some people are more uh, comfortable with an individualistic approach to everything. Uh, you know, like, I, I don't want to be bothered. I want to be able to rely on myself. I think everybody ought to be able to do that. Uh, and so that comes up into the political realm and it, it turns into a political point of view or a party partisan orientation when I wonder if it just starts out as being a personality thing mm-hmm. and then you kind of blow it up and make it more than what it is. Yeah, it's a, I think that's, that's a fair observation. Um, there are also, of course, regional cultural variations. So uh, among whites in the rural South, especially uh conservative individualistic principles are, are accepted much more readily than they are in other parts of the world. Uh, Tim Keller uh, a couple of years ago wrote, wrote an editorial in which he described uh, Christians in Scotland who were very uh, theologically conservative uh, Presbyterians, very strong Sabbatarians, but almost universally socialistic because uh, Scotland historically and, and to the present um, generally had a very strong working class culture that has blended uh, conservative Calvinist Christianity with uh, a strong belief in uh, an expanded welfare program, very expensive by American standards. And whereas the the rural South uh, in this country generally has not. And if you're only familiar with one regional culture, you're not necessarily going to um, understand immediately, intuitively, the differences between your own view of how Things obviously should be or always have been uh, in your view with, uh, you know, you're not going to understand the differences between what's cultural in that regard and what might be biblical. Instead, you're going to read Christian truths through the lens of your own particular cultural experience. That's interesting. We're talking with uh, Daniel Williams about three principles for settling political spats in the church. Dan, uh, principle number three, you write, any attempt to make society more moral through legislation will inevitably be selective and incomplete and may offer mixed results. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm struck by the fact that the issues that we're debating this year uh, in the realm of morality, issues such as uh, abortion, uh, transgender, uh, issues that are more concerned to people on on the left, perhaps, uh, like racial justice. Um, Those issues are very very limited compared to the total number of moral issues affecting our society. And I, I think the more that we reflect on that, the more we'll realize that there are 
distinct limits to political campaigns, that there's there are very few of any political races this year that are really focused on um, the issue of pornography or the issue of uh, extramarital affairs or uh, the issue of um, alcohol abuse or so many other issues, some of which were political issues in the past. But the fact that that they're not part of our political equation now is, is perhaps a, a sign that, that politics um, is always going to be fairly selective uh, compared to the, the total array of moral issues that the church should care about. Right. And when we understand that, then I think we're going to place less emphasis on politics. We'll be less anxious about how the elections will go uh, today and more interested in these uh, in pursuing the kingdom of God in a more holistic sense. There you go. Yeah. And the bottom line is you don't have to, you know, push aside a brother or sister in Christ because they have voted for another party. Once you look at what Dan has presented and say, you know, it's a lot more complicated and there are a lot more nuances there is nuance there, yeah. than we thought. Yeah. Daniel K. Williams, professor of history at the University of West Georgia and author of Defenders of the Unborn, the pro-life movement before Roe v. Wade. Dan, thanks for being with us today. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yes, we appreciate it. Wonderful. Really thoughts. good. Really, really good article. Check it out. Three principles for settling political spats in the church from Christianity Today. All right. We're going to go from politics to rotisserie chicken. What? There's an update there next. Stick around. It's the Ride Home Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, and I'm thrilled to share season four of my Dashing Dish cooking show with you. From cheeses to chocolate and more, discover a healthy twist on classic dishes that will delight even the pickiest eaters. Watch Dashing Dish for simply delicious, guilt-free recipes. Tuesdays at 9 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. Watch and learn more at ctvn.org. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750. Cable news. Noisy, out of touch, on repeat. Tired of all the lookalikes? So are we. Salem News Channel is here to change the game. Streaming 24-7, free on your TV, with the greatest collection of conservative voices. Home to Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Like you, we say what's wrong and what's right, unfiltered and unapologetic. Salem News Channel, 
We're the answer to the mainstream media. Learn more at snc.tv. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn's Colitis Foundation.org. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Lay the Word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. This Movember, here's to the straggly mustaches, the lopsided ones, the oddly sexy ones, the itchy, patchy, raggedy ones, the peach fuzz ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the scruffy ones, the black, blonde, red, and gray ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Learn more at Movember.com. Clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 34. Tomorrow will be pleasant with plenty of sunshine. Expect a high tomorrow of 61. Clear skies tomorrow night with a low of 37. Thursday will be mild with sunshine and a few clouds, the high 67. For Friday, rain from tropical rainstorm Nicole. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas, high 60. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Some people do things very strange, which may be cause for celebration. This is uh, in today's Washington Post. A Philadelphia man ate 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days. To some, Alexander Tominsky is the hero of Philadelphia that they needed him at the darkest hour. The 31-year-old waiter culminated his quest to eat 40 rotisserie chickens in 40 days on Sunday, just as his hometown, Philadelphia, was collectively mourning a World Series loss to the Astros and a similarly crushing Major League Soccer Cup defeat, all within the space of 24 hours. Though he had been documenting the self-imposed challenge on social media, the attention ramped up when he began inviting people to watch him eat his final and 40th bird. The event had the appeal of being only for if you know your locals. Its location was described only as the, quote, abandoned pier near Walmart. And many saw the He's quest. He's eating a rotisserie chicken on an abandoned pier near Walmart. His 40th one. That's like, be a the special sa- celebration. like the saddest thing I ever heard. Many saw the quest as somehow expressing something quintessential Philadelphia. Just a regular working class guy gutting it out, quite literally, at a moment when the city needed a boost. But it isn't clear that rallying a city was what Tominsky set out to do. The city of brotherly love's inscrutable talesman never seemed to articulate a clear answer to a central question about his spit-roasted mission. For the love of why? Yeah, exactly. He wasn't trying to prove a point, like a latter-day Morgan Spurlock, the guy who ate McDonald's for a month and then documented its ill effects on a documentary, Supersize Me. And he's no Don Gronsk, the man from Fondue Le Car, Wisconsin, who had eaten a Big Mac every day for more than a half a century out of sheer love for the Golden Arches. Right. Uh, in several interviews... Tominsky revealed he wasn't much of a poultry fan. I hate chicken, he said in a local TV news interview. He wasn't getting paid. Purdue had offered him free chickens, but he rejected the offer. He had hoped to put the question to himself, but Tominsky on Monday said he was a bit too overwhelmed to talk. And so they scoured local interviews in search of, well, why would you do 40 chickens in 40 days? A reporter from local Philadelphia news outlet, Billy Penn, asked in the lead-up to the big event, to which he offered a strange response. He said this, it seemed like the right thing to do. 
when the interviewer pressured him. The answer was even more Yoda-esque. I'm not sure how it started. It's hard to understand how it manifested. To the New York Times, he suggested he wanted to bring others joy by experiencing pain and judging from his facial expressions and the photos he posted, that's just what, well, that's just what happened. But... For someone setting out to entertain, he seemed to discourage merriment. This is not a party, read the fire announcement at the pier. So was it a prank, an elaborate art project? Whatever it was, even without calling it a celebration, the event may have worked in mysterious ways. Several hundred people turned out to watch a guy eat his final 40th chicken, many news reporters as well. Some reveled in the filliness of it all. Uh, Yeah, we lost two championships in a day, but we can all rally around a guy who, for no discernible reason, chose to eat 40 chickens in 40 days. Go figure. I don't know. Yep. He says, I'm no hero. I'm but a man. I ate the chicken. I did the best I can. I just thank you all for being here and thank for watching me consume. And that's what he did. Okay. Is that like the Kardashian outlook, which is that I just want to be famous for being famous? But, you know, the weird thing was, nobody really knew about it until he got close to the end of the 40-day thing. I don't know. It just goes to show you how weird the news cycle is and how social media wants to jump on stuff of a guy. I mean, one rotisserie chicken a day, that seems that's a lot of grease. Can you imagine 40 in 40 days? I don't I'm speechless. I know. Me too. 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. Sin can trip up even the most stalwart believer. How do we strengthen ourselves against temptation? Pastor Greg Laurie addresses that question this week on A New Beginning. And he'll begin a series on happiness and how we can have it. Tune in for the encouragement this week on A New Beginning. A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, weekday mornings at 1030 on WORD. Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. Remember those old-fashioned holidays when the pace was slower and the food all tasted like grandma had been cooking all day just for you? You know what? She probably did. You know what else? At the Spring House in 84, we still cook all day long just for you. So even though your life is filled with running, we can make sure that you still enjoy an old-fashioned holiday. Call the Spring House now to order fresh turkeys. Not frozen, mind you, fresh, the only kind Grandma used. The aroma of a turkey roasting in your oven will fill the house with promises of what's to come. Let us prepare side vegetable dishes like Aunt Emma's breaded broccoli, sweet potato pie, or even real mashed potatoes. And don't you forget to order the dinner rolls and, of course, our own homemade pumpkin pies or even apple crumb. They seem to be the favorites this year. Call 228-3339 now and let us help you enjoy a real old-fashioned holiday. This is John Hall with Word FM, and we're partnering with Bible League International on Stand With Them, Bibles for the Persecuted Church. Paul reminded Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is suffering for the sake of Christ and His glory, and it comes in many forms all over the world. In India, it's being shunned by Hindu family members. In China, it's the loss of church buildings. In the Middle East, it could be jail or even death at the hands of extremists. Isaiah is a new Christian in Asia, praying for the nourishment that comes only from God's Word. Send him a Bible for only $5. 
$35 sends seven Bibles. $100 sends 20 Bibles, and your gift will help Word FM and Bible League reach our shared goal of sending Bibles to 5,000 persecuted believers. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give at wordfm.com. Bachman's Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters, and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman's. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit Bachman's Roofing of course this is election day we've been of course talking about that as well uh, tom soroka joins us uh, tom's been a regular guest on our show over the many years uh, tom is the um, he's a priest at uh, saint nicholas orthodox church in mckee's rocks and tom uh, welcome you've been thinking have you voted yet today i did nice. yeah i did about two o'clock very nice and how was the line was there were the people there there was almost no one there. I was nope. kind of surprised, but I was kind of relieved also because I didn't want to wait all day. Right, of course. Right, yeah. Of course. Were you wearing your priestly garb? Uh, I must confess I was not. Mm-hmm. I was coming back from a restaurant. I had a nice lunch, and I went and uh, voted. Regular citizen. Okay. Just a regular citizen. <clears throat> yep. Very good. So how do you look at voting, Tom? What do you think uh, we as Christians need to know or keep in mind? It's uh, it's a really good question. I've been thinking about it all day because, you know, I woke up, I think, like most Americans that follow the news and follow all of the uh, hoopla that's been going on, especially in Pennsylvania. And I, I felt sad because the first thing that I thought was, oh, today's election day and the news is going to be really crazy and I wonder who's going to win and I'm so glad that it's all over. We don't have to listen to any more of the uh, commercials. Mm-hmm. And and I was sad because I, I really believe and I convicted myself. The first thing I should have thought of is, thank you, God, for another day. <laughs> you know, uh, glory to God that, mm-hmm. that I'm awake, that I have the opportunity to serve you. And I, I did have a wonderful morning. We had church this morning. We had all kinds of children there. Probably had 30 or 40 people in church, 30 people. Wow. Uh, and it was it was quite lovely. But I guess what I fear, guys, is that politics has become a, a kind of religion. And so I'm happy to vote. I'm thankful that I live in a country that allows me to vote. Uh, but I am worried that politics has taken on uh, the form of a religion to many people and maybe even replaces it. And so I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about some of the things that Jesus says about government. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so w- w- I think probably the first thing you think about, uh, the, the Psalms talk about government, right? I mean... The Psalms, uh, yeah, the Psalms talk about government. Uh, Jesus himself talks about government. And, um, you know, I, sort of starting with the New Testament, right? Okay. Um, they try to entrap Jesus and they give him a coin. They said, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, whose likeness is inscription is on this coin. And they said, Caesar's. He said, then therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God, the things that are God's. Yeah. And I think Jesus is making it very clear that there are some things that are secular 
and there are some things that belong to God. And it doesn't mean that um, this secular rule uh, has no uh, dealing with God, because in fact, then uh, Jesus, when he's standing before Pilate, says, you'd have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. And so there's this sense uh, in the words of Christ, and then, of course, in Paul, uh, to be subject to the governing authorities, he says in Romans 13, that there's a sense in which God's hand is in all of this. And wh what I always amaze at is when I look at the history of the church, you look at the first 300 years, you look at various places around the world today, like China, you look at the history of uh, communism in Russia and in other countries, and you realize, um, you know, God is not always honored by the government, but there's this mystery somehow, even in the history of the early church, that godless rulers were over Christians uh, and over the people of God, and yet were called to be subject to them. And I, I find this a great mystery, and I find it may be a balance when I think that, well, you know, we have to vote in a godly governor government. We have to vote in people that are Christians. And the reality is there have been all kinds of governments over the years. And in fact, uh, governments come and go. Uh, there was a, there's a verse, I, I saw it in Daniel 2 today, says he changes times and seasons he removes kings and sets up kings <laughs> you know in other words all of these things uh in in the world are fleeting they are going away uh and we are not citizens of this world we are citizens of the kingdom of god and when we're thinking about politics and government we have to be very balanced and understand that uh the things of the world are not the things of God. Father Tom Soroka with us from St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKees Rocks. Um, easier said than done, though, uh, Tom, yeah. because of the extreme media pressure that we get about the importance of politics and how it just like seems to cover our social media feeds and all of that. And, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend um, and I was reading Isaiah 44 about how silly idols are, you know, and how ridiculous it is that you'd go out and you'd plant a tree and then the tree would grow and then you'd cut it down and then you'd put, you'd warm yourself over the fire from the tree that you just cut down and then you'd take a bit of it and then you'd make an idol out of it and then you'd worship it. And how much sense does that make? It's just so, it's so dumb. Um, right. But the, uh, the chapter goes on to say the only way that you can, you you can get your head in the right place, though, is to worship the right thing. Because if you just say, mm -hmm. well, I shouldn't love politics that much, it doesn't work. But if you replace it with where your love should really be, I think that might be the key to it. So how do we do that, Tom? You know, how do we really get our affections in the right place? I, I love that. And, and uh, John was alluding to it before Psalm 146 do not put your trust in princes, in sons of men in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, right? Uh, we are, we're not putting our trust in, in the rulers. We're putting our trust in God. And I think ultimately 
uh, as Christians, we have to realize that no matter who the rulers are, we have to live our Christian life in obedience to God uh, within every circumstance that we find ourselves. Uh, and so that means, you know, thinking about what are the godly purposes that government can serve. Um, governments do things that are godly. Governments do things that are ungodly. They exercise bad judgment. Uh, maybe they do harm to their citizens. So those are the times that we can speak up. And the government, like all of the things of the world, uh, are are sort of fallen, you know, and we have to recognize that the redemption that we have in Christ is in us and in those things that are being redeemed. We can start to redeem government, but it doesn't mean that we're going to live under a completely uh, a Christian rule. And I would say, frankly, as a, a student of history and as an Orthodox Christian, you know, Orthodox Christians lived under the longest civilization in Western history, and that is the Byzantine Empire. Mm. The Byzantine Empire lasted for 1,100 years, wow. and it was a Christian empire. And yet, even though it was a Christian empire and you have pictures of the emperor bowing down to Christ, um, it was as corrupt as any other government. Mm -hmm. It frankly was. Uh, there were Christian rulers that were killing their children and killing their families. And, uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So let's fulfill our purposes in our churches and in our communities. And, you know, let's assist government in doing godly things. But I don't think we can expect that in every decision, the government is going to fulfill the will of God. You know, we have to discern the difference between uh, worldly power and our own uh, internal taking up the cross of Christ. Let's be salt and light to the world, absolutely. But we're going to do that as Christians. We're going to do that as children of God we're not going to do that as red or blue. We're not going to do that um, as Republicans or Democrats or even independents, because being a citizen of the kingdom of God and, and being a believer in Christ means that our faith is going to transcend any kind of partisan political divisions. That's very good. That's a really good word, Tom. Yeah. Thanks for being with us today. It sets things uh, in the right tone. We appreciate your presence here to give us that message. Thanks, guys. Our pleasure. Father Tom Soroka, St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKees Rocks, right? Um, the most important election of your lifetime, they keep on saying, right? Everyone hears that. Yeah, except everybody says that <laughs> right. every the, single election. The most important thing is to be a child of God, to surrender, to let Christ into your life. You were created for a purpose. Geneva College can help you find it, follow it, and fulfill it. As you boldly answer God's call to live faithfully and intentionally in service to others, together with Geneva, you'll embark on a journey of discovery with professors and peers who are integrating faith and learning, thinking constructively and creatively. As you learn to understand your world, develop expertise in your field of study, and find meaning and purpose in your life's work. 
Ranked one of the best value schools in regional universities north by U.S. News and World Report, Geneva offers over 195 undergraduate majors and programs to help you discover the compelling significance of God's calling. Geneva College, you were made for this. Explore what interests you at geneva.edu slash academics. You've all helped build MyPillow and the incredible company it is today. And now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. It's John Hall. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bedsheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bedsheets are marked down as low as $29.99. And believe me when I say you'll get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Typically retails at $89.98, now just $39.98 with promo code WORD. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-391-0954, use the promo code WORD, or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square, use promo code WORD. These offers will not last long, so order now with promo code WORD at MyPillow.com for this radio-exclusive offer on all bedsheets. Today on Hey Culligan, soft water, cleaner environment. What do you say, Greg? Hey Culligan. Are you saying if I have a Culligan high-efficiency water softener, I'm also helping the environment? It sounds like you're saying it, Greg, and yes, you are, because with the Culligan high-efficiency water softener, you'll use less detergent, soap, and harsh chemicals, and that's good for the planet. Now you're saying it. You bet I am, Greg. Soft water and a cleaner environment is already on the way. Let us help you out with a free in-home water test from a local Culligan water expert at Culligan.com. This is Pastor Tom Hall. People are capable of such goodness. So why are we at war with each other? It turns out the Christian faith is completely realistic about human nature. Faith gives us the tools to examine ourselves and imagine a better future. Join us for worship at First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, 326th Avenue, downtown, Sundays at 1045, for our sermon series, What's Wrong With Us? Learn more at fpcp.org. We were out on a Saturday night, and you know, you, you look at people, and I'll raise my hand. I, I think, you know, as a society, all of us Americans are probably heavier than we were, you know, decades earlier. You see that, right? I, yeah, it's true. It is true. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of funny. In my readings uh, over the weekend, I saw a piece why it was easier to be skinny in the 1980s. Is that true? Well, here's what they say. A study finds that people today who eat and exercise the same amount as people 20 years ago are still heavier. Is that, is that because gravity's stronger? Here's, the, here's what they're saying. This is weird, okay? I, I've heard this before. A 2016 study published in the journal Obesity Research and Clinical Practice sure. found that it's harder for adults today to maintain the same weight as those 30 to 40 years ago, even at the same level of food intake and exercise. A correlation, a person in 2006 eating the same amount of calories, taking in the same quantities of macronutrients like protein and fat, and exercising the same amount as a person of the same age did in 1988, would have a BMI about 2.3 points higher. In other words, people today are about 10% heavier than people were in the 1970s or 80s. So there's a lot of conjecture about this. Here's the thing. People, they say, are exposed to more chemicals that might be weight gain inducing. 
pesticides, flame retardants, and the substances in food packaging might all be altering, altering our hormonal processes and tweaking the way our bodies put on and maintain weight. Really? Second, well, how, okay. the use of prescription drugs has risen dramatically since the 1970s. Prozac, the first blockbuster SSRI, came out in 1988. Antidepressants, antidepressants are now one of the most commonly prescribed drugs in the United States. Many of them have been linked to weight gain. Finally, uh, authors think that the microbiomes of Americans might have somehow changed. Wait, my microbiome? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm might have changed between the 1980s and now. It's well known that some types of gut bacteria that make a person more prone to weight gain and obesity are more prevalent today. Americans are meeting more meat than they were a few decades ago. Many animal products are treated with hormones and antibiotics in order to promote growth. All that meat might be changing the way our gut bacteria is uh, affecting our weight. Well, so we can't do anything about any of that. We could probably eat vegetables. Yeah, but well, I mean, unless you're eating completely organic food and you have to be of a relatively high income level to do that, then you'd still be succumbing to some of the pesticide concerns that they have. I mean, certainly. They don't mention Cheetos. No, of course. They don't, they don't, there's no Cheetos in that mix. I mean, eating, eating whole foods. I don't mean from the store whole foods. What, nuts and beans? Yeah, and, and just like not eating prepared foods you know mm-hmm. not eating you know a lean cuisine if you could make your own lean cuisine at home you know what i mean i like a lean cuisine i know it's not saying you should I, <laughs> I just picked that out of the air a hungry man i don't know that's sad though okay so that means that for uh jennifer beale flash dancing would be easier than, back than in now the day. Mm-hmm. Mm, back in the day yeah mm-hmm. i mean that, that kind of makes sense doesn't it i mean the what? Th- i that's a total what do you it's a total guess. See, they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Well, they don't know. I don't know. You think that, that we are ingesting stuff that we probably did not ingest decades earlier. Yeah, but it's not like, look at what, okay, when I was in the 1980s, Uh-oh. this is what I was ingesting. What? Every single day, yeah. Monday through Friday, for from 1980 to 1986, I had a minimum of two Little Debbie snack cakes. Yeah, but they're saying, you know, you could do that. Then, but the things that are in our system now have changed. Okay, but you can't tell me that the Little Debbie snack cakes in 1983 were a good nutritional choice. No, they for weren't. Me. No, of course not. But they're saying that somehow Little Debbies are worse now than they were then. The stuff around it all is a little worse. You know what my doctor told me? Tell what? Me. After the age of 50, if you do everything the same next year that you did this year, yeah, you'll gain seven pounds. <gasps> really. That's for a man. I don't know what it is for a woman. Yeah, what? So as you <laughs> wait, age out, that's, that's your metabolism and so forth. Slowing. Things slowing are slowing down. down. Okay. Yeah. Wait, and that has like no end point other than So death. by the time you're 80, <laughs> you need to be exercising 18 hours a day. <laughs> right. Oh, so that I you guess. can eat dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you want to enjoy life, right? But there's yes. no doubt about it. You look around, you kind of go, everyone's a little chubbier. Right? Yeah. No, I do think everybody's chubbier. So my goal has always been to weigh within five pounds of what I weighed when I before I had my first child. And how you doing? Uh, you look I'm, pretty good. Well, I'm seven. I'm seven pounds up right now, so I'm two pounds over where I'm supposed to be. All right. But it's good to have like some goal. You know what I mean? So you can kind of hover around yeah. something. I was kind of looking but, at myself in the mirror the other the other day, and I was like, John, you've kind of let yourself go, <laughs> which is what you don't want to hear. 
right? But you see yourself and you kind of go. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But I don't notice that at all. I know. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we're always our own worst critic. Yeah, we are. Oh, it's you again, right? <laughs> you I'm again. I'm speaking to myself in right. the mirror. You guy, I know who you are. I thought you were talking to me. Anyway, have a little Debbie. It's all good, right? <laughs> Those oatmeal cream pies. That's fine. Man, they're so good. We'll take a break. Come back. Don't miss our 5 o'clock hour. It looks to be a good one. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. 3813. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. A tumultuous election season that tugged again at America's political divide comes to a close today as voters cast ballots in the first national election of Joe Biden's presidency. The GOP optimistic about its prospects, hoping it Messaging focusing on the economy, gas prices, and crime will resonate with voters at a time of soaring inflation and rising violence. GOP Governor Glenn Youngkin told the Salem Radio Network he believes Republicans have the edge in key house races in Virginia. The momentum feels just like last year, and it's uh, come on strong. And I think, again, this is not Republicans versus Democrats. This is Virginians standing up for The values that we hold dear, that they have seen the liberal Democrats violate time and time again. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin stocks a mix now. The Dow ahead 249 points, but the Nasdaq down four. This is SRN News. The bigger your 401k, the better your retirement, right? Wrong. The fact is, with proposed new taxes, another market crash, inflation, and rising health care costs, you could be forced to downsize your retirement. Discover the secret savvy investors are turning to for retirement security. A new 401k law that unlocks an ingenious retirement protection plan that could protect your savings from inflation and a stock market downturn while boosting your retirement income as much as 40%. It's all laid out in simple language in a new book from Josh Melberg. His insightful guide is your roadmap to retiring with confidence and it's yours free with one call don't risk a lifetime of work building your retirement this little known retirement protection plan could safeguard your wealth and boost your retirement up to 40 percent for your free copy of guarantee your retirement by josh melberg call now call 800-337-8051 that's 800-337-8051 800-337-8051 i was talking to one of my sisters recently and she said that she refused to even look at her 401k and her retirement investments because the thought of doing so made her a fidgety, anxious mess. So uh, out of sight, out of mind. I, I get it. And I'm sure you do, too. But the good news is we've been here before. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll hear the strains of happy days are here again in the interim. The family at United Faith Mortgage wants to remind you that if you're a homeowner, you're sitting on a pile of cash because home values have gone bonkers. And so your home can be a portal into a cash-out refinance, providing you with an immediate source of money to pay off debts, do some home improvements, or just build up your nest egg again. United Faith Mortgage, where the direct lender advantage is everything, saving you lifelong money. United Faith Mortgage, faith and family matter. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a number 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. 
Persecuted Christians, they love their enemies, and they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord Jesus, but they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and in the Middle East one day, radicals showed up and burned down the house of Nora, nearly killing her and her four daughters, the youngest of which, four years of age, maimed for life with serious burns all over her body. You know what her crime is? Simply that Nora has been leading Arabic-speaking women to Christ, and they need Bibles there in the Middle East. And in Venezuela, a church has been rescuing women, some as young as 12, kidnapped and forced into prostitution by the drug cartel. They have paid dearly. In fact, one of the members was killed. His corpse pulled behind a truck. But I can tell you this group, even though they're persecuted, is focused on pointing these women to the hope of the gospel. They need Bibles. And that's exactly why Word FM and Bible League are teamed up to bless 5,000 Bibleless, persecuted believers with their own copy of God's Word at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20. Pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at wordfm.com. Clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 34. Tomorrow will be pleasant with plenty of sunshine. Expect a high tomorrow of 61. Clear skies tomorrow night with a low of 37. Thursday will be mild with sunshine and a few clouds, the high 67. For Friday, rain from Tropical Rainstorm Nicole. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas, high 60. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. I got an email from a friend of mine Sunday evening. Well, actually, it was Monday morning. It was like 12.30 or so. So I saw it Monday morning when I woke up because I was sleeping at 12.30. Uh, he says to me, um, hey, hey, John, hope you're well. Uh, I heard on the news tonight that a bunch of mail-in ballots won't be counted because their dates were wrong or they, were, or they weren't dated at all. So I went to the Allegheny Votes website to see if my name was on the list since I mailed my ballot in. While scrolling through the list to see if any of my friends were on it, I saw a listing for Jay Hall in your neighborhood with your birth date. Uh, is that you? Not if, your birth date, but your year, your my year of birth. birth. Mm-hmm. Right. He said, is that you? If it is, there are ways to get this fixed, but I'd go to this site and see what directions it gives you. Otherwise, how are you? Holy smokes. So then I, and I go to the news feed, and of course, yesterday in the news feed, there's all these news articles about people have messed up their mail-in ballots. Now, I've never, mail, I never voted through a mail-in ballot before. Right. So I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I screwed this up. I... Right. So then you told me about it. Mm-hmm. And so doing what any good friend would do, I brought it up on, you know, the talk show of a 50,000 watt <laughs> radio program. Right. And so now people all over the tri-state area know that you forgot your date. Right. And we even looked it up. I, not we. And by we, I mean I. <laughs> the crack research staff here at the right Looked home. it up. And it wasn't that you um, didn't include a date. It was that you put the incorrect date. Right. So there were several ways I could rectify this and have my vote counted because I want my vote to count. So anyway, early this morning, I went down to the the Allegheny County Bureau of Elections and the city county building on the third floor. I'm sure they weren't busy today. (laughs) I mean, you think about county government and always it was a zoo. It really was a zoo. God bless those those men and women. I mean, I can't imagine. Anyway, I waited patiently told them of my my predicament mm. and uh, the good news is they looked through after I showed them my uh, driver's license my photo ID and they were like 
It's not you, sir. <gasps> not the J Hall. What? And I was like, so all, <laughs> all. I mean, the whole. I don't know oh. how long it was on the air of me mocking you, making mm-hmm. fun of you, mm-hmm. you making fun of yourself. Well, I mean, of course, it wasn't just me picking on you. No, but you know, it was open season. I'm an easy target. Yeah, so for I'm, sure. You know, I'm going there. Yeah, and I take it all back Thank right you. now. I appreciate it because I- you have my full support. <laughs> Good because. I mean, the mail-in thing, of course, it's fraught with all sorts of, you know, know, this vote's rigged or this is all screwed up or whatever. In my instance, apparently, it worked just fine. And you were responsible in all of your dealings? Mm -hmm. And I showed up. I went down to the machinations of county government and saw the voting bureau, whatever they call it. And it's all working well? It looked pretty good to me. Great. And you understand why there should be a date on a ballot. I mean, it seems silly that Fetterman's campaign is arguing today, is is suing in court, that they, they should count every ballot regardless of date. Because what if something was lost in the mail and it's from, like, you know, 2012? Right. And you're voting for Ed Rendell. Yeah, exactly. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's unavailable. Exactly. I mean, what the heck? Yeah, no. I, I, so I feel yeah. good about this. Okay, good. I think it's, John, congratulations. Appreciate Your it. vote will count. It does. I'm doing my mm-hmm. civic duty. I see that uh, uh, Gary, our producer, he's got a little voting sticker on there. Uh, oh, is he I showing voted. off? Yeah, he's kind of a little showing off in there, Gary. All proud about that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, I got a lollipop, too. Did so, you? Yeah. You did not. Did a you really? No, not really. Okay. No a little dum-dum. It's good, though, you get a little voting sticker, right? You kind of Yeah, go, exactly. I'm yeah. voting on the way home. Are you, though? Yeah. That's... Do you get a sticker? Well, I hope so. Well, I'm going to go home and show it. my husband. Put it on your fridge. It was on my fridge for a long I'm time. I'm going to put my sticker on there. I voted. Yeah. Well, it just makes you feel good about yourself, right? Really? You're part of the democratic process. Okay, great. People have died for this, Cav. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm okay, saying I don't the... know if I'm going to put it on my refrigerator. <laughs> Take a picture of yourself with the sticker. And, and put it on send social it media. Us. Okay, there you okay. go. Oh, very nice. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to take pictures at the at the polling place. You know that. You're not allowed to take any photos at the polling place. Oh, don't do it there. Not. Yeah. Oh, right. Because right, we don't want to implicate no, someone else. No, you want to be careful right there. I mean, right. you know, voting is a sacred thing. Yeah. Okay. Right? All right. If I were with you, would you let me go in the voting booth with you while you voted? No. And, and you know what? Uh, w- w- there's no voting booth anymore. There's just a little computer terminal, isn't there? Yeah, but it's like a... I mean, Mine it, was a piece of paper. What? You voted with a piece paper. of paper and a pencil. It was uh, placed on a table that had some uh, things around it so somebody couldn't see what you were doing. I and like it was that. just a piece of paper, and you filled in with a pen, uh, the little circle, by your candidate. And that's it? And you fold it up and give it to somebody or put well, it in a box? I, no, you walk to a machine where they scan it. Okay. So the really? guy has you put it in the thing, and you're done, and you pick up your sticker and go. I'm extremely eager. I like that I'm lot. extremely eager to do this this evening. And of see, course. See what the procedure will be. Right now, will you watch this evening? No. No interest at all. I'll watch. I'm I'll turn. I'll turn it on before I go to bed at twelve thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know what? But I'm not starting to watch it at eight o'clock. Well, I kind of like that. Election I know. Stuff. I'm sure. It's interesting, but, yeah. isn't it? It is interesting. But I. I with all the ads, break this you time. away from the Weather Channel, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> See now, that's right. he knows how committed I'm my husband is. I'm going to go watch the vote now. No, I have, I have to watch. I have to watch my 36th episode of MI5. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, it's probably yeah. better. Yeah, must see TV. All right, what's next? Yeah, Bonnie's going to be with us live in studio. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Christian's going to be with us. We're going to talk about a knowledge crisis that breaks our brains, pollutes our politics, and corrupts Christian community. It's election day. Holy we'll be right smokes. back. 101.5 WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. Take that love. 
and be a distributor. Take that love and love others. Every time you think, I don't know if I can love that person, stop for a moment and remember how much God loves you. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, A Life Beyond Amazing, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter code SLEEK at checkout. That's harrys.com, code SLEEK. Enjoy. I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now. The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life. Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org. It's pro time, which means at Lowe's, you're invited to enjoy a Lowe's Pro Happy Hour. Kick back with free Pepsi-Cola drinks and Frito-Lay snacks. Plus, earn three times bonus points per dollar on purchases of select Pepsi products. Come into Lowe's and get the full MVP treatment at Pro Happy Hour on November 17th from 2 to 5 p.m. While supplies last, bonus points offer valid 1027 through 12 and calculated before taxes and fees after applicable discounts, if any. See Lowe's.com slash L slash pro loyalty terms. Bachman's Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters, and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit bachmansroofing.com. We've been talking a lot about politics today. Of course, we should because it's election day. Bonnie Christian joins us. She's got a brand new book out called Untrustworthy, the knowledge crisis breaking our brains, polluting our politics, and corrupting Christian community. Bonnie, excellent book. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Bonnie, uh, in preparation for our show, on a daily basis, John has his newspapers that he reads, and I have mine that I read, and sometimes they cross over. But between the both of us, we do, you know, the local papers here, we do the Wall Street Journal, the uh, New York Times, the Washington Post, and USA Today, if I can stomach it. Sometimes People Magazine. <laughs> right. I mean, something that comes across my feed, Bonnie, that's interesting, I might look at it. But over the last six or seven years, I am shocked at the... Uh, amount of reporting that is actually opinion that comes across every one of those 
news sites. And this is on the front page. You know what I mean? And so it, if, if that's what we're getting as reporting that's actually opinion, then it doesn't surprise me, I guess, that we're having what you're calling an epistemic crisis. Um, talk about what you think that means and what that does to us. First sure. of all, do you agree with me? I think that there is a, a huge demand in the American market for opinion. Um, and I, I mean, most of almost all of the writing that I do is opinion and it's, you know, labeled as such. I think that there's the, the media industry journalism is in a weird transition phase right now. Hmm. And a lot of that is about the business side of things, trying to figure out how do we make money. And mm-hmm. now that advertising and subscriptions just don't work the way that they used to. And so there's a really strong and, and in some ways perverse incentive to write more exciting things, basically, because you need mm-hmm. to get eyeballs. You need to figure out a way to make money. And so a lot of times um, the way I think that does play out for readers is it seems like there's more opinion than there used to be. Um and so, yeah, that's sort of the reality of the industry and something that I hope, I assume, I have to hope will get figured out. And, you know, in the next uh, years, decades, it's hard to say, um, but it is, a, it is a strange transition time. And I think the media is not the only cause, certainly, of this knowledge crisis that my book is about, um, but it is a contributing factor. And I would sort of point to a a larger, have us look at our, our information environment as a whole. Um, so not just the traditional media, but I would also add in social media and how we're behaving as consumers, you know, and also towards each other and how um, we've changed what's seen as, I guess, normal behavior and normal ways to engage in politics and share political content. And we've also changed the amount of information that we encounter on a daily basis. And so we have this just onslaught of content coming at us all the time in a very confusing and chaotic environment. And I think that's sort of the context of this sense of disorientation or uh, confusion that a lot of us feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're saying here, chaos for me is the key word, right? Now, I remember way back, I think, you know, probably in seventh or eighth grade, you know, in a social studies class, one of our teachers taught us the art of reading a newspaper, mm-hmm. right? That the lead story was in the top right-hand corner and, you know, this is how it all worked. Now, you know, when we used to look at Walter Cronkite or, you know, our, our local media sources as trustworthy, you look at people like e- Elon Musk, who in some ways, after he buys Twitter for $44 billion, has become a news source. Mm-hmm. And so I and I think most people don't have the same confidence that what we're reading, whether it's online or in the print media, has the same sort of validity or trust that our parents or grandparents generation has. Yeah, it's it's difficult to parse. And a lot of that, I think, is just the sheer volume. You know, I was speaking with someone earlier today who said, wouldn't it be great if I just read like one news article a day and I could really think about it and I could think about who wrote it and, you know, what's their perspective, maybe what what are their biases or what, what are the, the mistakes they're likely to make because of what they believe? What are they likely to get right? And I could sort of, you know, meditate on that and, and really process that and then come to another story the next day. But of course, that's not how we consume news. We read 20, 30, 40 news articles a day and then we share a bunch of them um, and that all feels very normal right now but I mean think back 20 30 years ago if you shared news articles the way that people share them now people would think you were a crank you'd be run out of polite society if you were right. you know sending newspaper clippings to folks um, so yeah I think we just 
so much has changed so quickly, and I would even include the rise of like 24-hour cable news in that, um, not just the internet and social media, though that's certainly a big part of it. And I think we just didn't prepare ourselves for that change, and now it's really apparent what trouble we're in. What yeah. trouble indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've encountered this, and we've talked about this, and probably you have as well, Bonnie, but you know, within our circles, you know, and of course the pandemic you know, fried and changed everything, you th- you know you know people you love your friends and then your friends are reading and engaging in media in a different way that you do or different media than you are mm-hmm. and so the conversations don't necessarily continue in some instances they stop and with that the friendships have stopped as well and i think that's when i look at the loss of friends and that's happened to me it I can, happened to us on the show yeah mm-hmm. i can only sort of point the finger at that thing whatever that social news thing is has precipitated that yeah i think it's really familiar for a lot of people that sense of sort of coming to an impasse with folks where you know it's not even just that you disagree on you know maybe how to vote or or what the policy prescription should be it's it's you want to ask them like do you do you not see what i'm looking at like are are we looking at the same same thing thing. here Yeah. yeah it's a very frustrating feeling and i think um it's a a real challenge that a lot of people are facing right now is how do i preserve a relationship where it feels like we've reached that point and that's you know i've talked to folks who's happening in in tons of families often not always but often across generational lines Um, and it's happening in a ton of congregations now too um i think many many pastors that i've you know read interviews with or spoken with myself sort of snuck up on them that like um the beliefs that people have in media consumption habits are a real factor in how their congregation is interacting in a way that they were not quite recently. Wow. I mean, that's a lot for a pastor or church leadership to consider. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I don't think I ever envy people in pastoral ministry, but especially For right sure now. not now. For yeah. sure not now. Bonnie Christian is with us, uh, in studio with us. In fact, we're having, um, first of all, Great to have you here. Thank you. Um, And excited to talk about this on Election Day. If you're listening to the program live, um, go out and vote. You know, don't let this opportunity go by. Um, It's it's vital that we do this. It's also vital, Bonnie, that we don't make it everything. Mm. So um, I think that's the case. You know, it's vital to eat but we don't want to become obese, (laughs) right? It's vital to exercise. We don't want to become manic people that get up in the morning and think, if I don't run five miles, I'm useless. So a lot of life is figuring out how to get to the happy medium point. I I think we can all agree, the three of us, that America has not found the happy medium point when it comes to politics. So let's talk about this idea of where we, what we think knowledge is and where we get it. and I know that that's a big question based on what you've been writing, but kind of attack it from whatever way you think is helpful on Election Day. Sure. Yeah. So um, a big point that I, I hope people come away with from from reading my book or from hearing me talk on this is this idea that we need to think a bit more deliberately about how we're acquiring knowledge, not just sort of let it happen to you, like with whatever comes across your news feed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the the ways that social media is really dangerous in this regard is that when a news story or or whatever, which comes with lots of truth claims, like often really big truth claims and and assumptions about what the world is like and what people are like and what we should do with ourselves, um, when it's presented to us as a post from like our aunt or our friend or someone that we trust, we go into that um, 
with a lack of skepticism to some degree, right? Because it's been given to you by someone you know, and it feels like this is going to be safe and I can just like consume this and not really worry about it. Um, And I think we need to be more deliberate in how we're engaging with this content, even if, you know, sometimes your aunt maybe didn't have great judgment in what she posted, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And and sort of uh, not not letting our guard down because it's coming from someone we know, um, because there is so much out there. And so a big part of what, what I recommend to your point about keeping things sort of in their proper place and proportion um, is that even though, you know, I am a journalist, obviously I I do want people to to read things that I write um, at least at times, but really I think it's vital that we're limiting how much news we're consuming um, when we're consuming it. Uh, A recommendation that I pass along from another author is a scripture before phone in the morning. Like, are you starting your day with Twitter um, or or with whatever your favorite uh, social media or news source is? Um, and, And also I think limiting the number of big political topics you pay attention to. It's better to know a few things well Mm. and to have like the knowledge that you need for discernment when you're reading new stuff about those subjects than to have just a broad, shallow understanding. I need to stop you right there because that really flies in the face of how we, how we interact with social media, especially Mm. Twitter Mm -hmm. is because if, if your Twitter feed is like my Twitter feed, I could spend 15 minutes on there and see 20 subjects introduced that, I probably that I probably scrolling through and I would say maybe 18 of them I care about Mm. you know it's not like it's a bunch of stuff that I could like take or leave like that's really interesting to me but by the end of that 15 minutes I don't know a whole lot about any of them and that makes it so much easier to uh, to be fooled by things that are false or deliberately deceptive or just, you know, mistakes in reporting. Um, it's You're going to be much better equipped to be discerning truth in media you're encountering if you have some actual solid background knowledge in a subject and maybe you've read like a book on it, not just news articles. Maybe you've read some academic research on it if you really want to get into it, like something more substantive than here's this thing that came across my feed. And so, you know, it's a little bit different when like you work in news and you have to have some working knowledge of a lot of stuff. But I think for the average person, I don't know, maybe half a dozen topics, like it's not going to be a big list. You you can't know a lot of things well. And that means that there are a lot of things you just have to sort of say, like, you know, that's important. I know other people care about that and are working on that, and that one's not for me. Hmm. But I, I love your idea, and, and this is true because you're talking really to a Christian smart. audience, right? It should be Scripture first. Mm-hmm. I mean, where is truth? Mm-hmm. And everything else sort of seems secondary when you go to Scripture first. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, well, if I can, I don't know if I should be touting someone else's book, but the book is called The Common Rule yep, by a guy named it. Justin Whitmill Early. Yep. Um, and that's one of his suggestions. And it's it's got a bunch of other uh, just great habits for if you feel like your tech use habits are out of control. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Bonnie Christen. Untrustworthy is her new book, The Knowledge Crisis Between Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics and Corrupting Christian Community. Bonnie, can you talk for a second about the journalism and, of course, the rise of so-called fake news. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, to me, this is the first time I've seen this in a long time where all journalists are under suspicion, uh, so much so that anger is you know, directed uh, initially at you. In some ways, you would be fearful uh, being known as a journalist. How does that intersect in your daily life? You know, I, I am not a reporter out there like pounding the streets. So I don't know that I'm like fearful in my daily life. I, I'm safe at home in my my little office. 
Um, but yeah, I think that journalism is in a really difficult reputational place right now in America. Um, and in some ways I would say, especially among like Christians, there's, there's a lot of skepticism there. Um, and I think some of that for sure, the industry is to blame, you know, there are, you can certainly find plenty of high-profile examples of media failures. Some of that, I think, is a, a misunderstanding, though, among um, the public about sort of the nature of those failures. So there's polling on this, which is that if you ask Americans, why does the media get things wrong? They overwhelmingly say it's deliberate lies and it's for politics. And I would say from from my experience in newsrooms, including, you know, with journalists who are, are very different politically and religiously from me, that is not by and large what's going on you can always find exceptions but it's it's much more mundane things it's like being on a deadline it's like having mm. to pay bills it's 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 ignorance like like true ignorance of just not knowing what you don't know it's very human failures that mostly are not malicious mm. um and there's room for improvement for sure um but i think that there's a lot of misunderstandings there okay that's good well that's good to hear and that's a good perspective to have and also i think that because of social media news stories uh, and errors in news stories, and we know this from being on the air, you know, errors in what we say get magnified mm -hmm. dramatically, That stuff that didn't happen 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody finds out and you think, how could I be such an idiot? And how could I have said that? And it a lot, oftentimes it's just hurry or it is ignorance. Right. And I just don't understand something. Fully. But we have an opportunity either, you know, within the next hour or the next day to say, right. my bad. Right. Right. Where a lot of print journalists don't, know that don't have that opportunity. Right. And, right. and but even if you say my bad, it's already out there. <laughs> it is. Right. And it will never go away because the Internet's forever. <laughs> That's right. We'll take a quick break. But Bonnie Christian's going to be with us. We're talking about a new work called Untrustworthy. We've got a journalist live in studio with us. Stay with us. You've all helped build MyPillow and the incredible company it is today. And now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. It's John Hall. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bedsheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bedsheets are marked down as low as $29.99. And believe me when I say you'll get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Typically retails at $89.98, now just $39.98 with promo code WORD. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-391-0954, use the promo code WORD, or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square, use promo code WORD. These offers will not last long, so order now with promo code WORD at MyPillow.com for this radio-exclusive offer on all bedsheets. This is John Hall with Word FM, and we're partnering with Bible League International on Stand With Them, Bibles for the Persecuted Church. Paul reminded Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is suffering for the sake of Christ and his glory, and it comes in many forms all over the world. In India, it's being shunned by Hindu family members. In China, it's the loss of church buildings. In the Middle East, it could be jail or even death at the hands of extremists. Isaiah is a new Christian in Asia, praying for the nourishment that comes only from God's word. Send him a Bible for only $5. $35 sends seven Bibles. $100 sends 20 Bibles. And your gift will help Word FM and Bible League reach our shared goal of sending Bibles to 5,000 persecuted believers. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give at wordfm.com. 
I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now. The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life. Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. There are a ton of social networking websites, but one stands apart for a very special reason. This one saves lives. It's MatchingDonors.com. MatchingDonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants. In the U.S., 22 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant, most of them for kidneys. If you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor, or if you are someone in need of an organ transplant, Transplant. Visit matchingdonors.com, home of the greatest gift of all, the gift of life. Visit matchingdonors.com or call 601-402-9138. Clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 34. Tomorrow will be pleasant with plenty of sunshine. Expect a high tomorrow of 61. Clear skies tomorrow night with a low of 37. Thursday will be mild with sunshine and a few clouds, the high 67. For Friday, rain from Tropical Rainstorm Nicole. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas, high 60. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Bonnie Christian is with us. We're talking about a brand new work called Untrustworthy, the knowledge crisis breaking our brains, polluting our politics, and corrupting Christian community. Bonnie Christian. In our first segment, uh, Bonnie, we talked about the importance of kind of taking a self-assessment, maybe, I would say. How, how am I getting my news? Where am I getting it from? And am I being responsible in what I'm reading, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing I would think of in this segment is that since it's election day, um, how do we keep this in the right perspective? So this is an incredibly important thing to do. It really frustrates me when I hear people say, oh, I don't vote. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, if we all say that, clearly uh, nothing's going to happen. The numbers so it are does minuscule, matter. Aren't they? It does matter. It absolutely matters. Um, how do we, though, keep it in the right place in life? Um, in relation to our walk with Christ, um, and also just in relation to family, emotional health, and maintaining our relationships. Yeah, I think the single biggest tell, if you want to look at your own life and and sort of examine this, is time use. Um, Something that I've heard from pastors over and over again as I was researching this book, um, in, in my own interviews and just in the wild, unprompted, they would post something like this to social media, and it was almost eerie how verbatim it was. It was something to the effect of, you know, I get my congregants an hour a week, and Facebook or Fox News or MSNBC or, or Twitter or whatever their their poison of choices gets them for 10, 15, 20, 30 hours a week, and I can't compete with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the case for a lot of us, that there sure. is, maybe the imbalance isn't quite that bad, maybe you're at church, you know, five hours a week, but if you, we're still spending, you know, two, five, ten times the amount of time with something else, um, with, you know, some news source, that is going to be more formative in your life. It's going to be shaping how you think. It's going to be framing how you interact with your neighbors. It's going to be framing eventually how you interact with your friends and family and loved ones. Um, and so I think time use is the, the best place to start to, to consider, has this gotten out of proportion in my life to where it should be? Mm-hmm. 
friends of ours uh, were involved in a um, political sign war in their neighborhood. <laughs> uh, you might have heard about this, right, where people have, you know, <clears throat> the Democratic signs in one house and the Republican signs in another. And, and my friend was saying, you know, signs went missing. And then they're, you know, neighbor to neighbor were finger pointing. There was a lot of rancor about mm-hmm. that. I know you talk about this in, in Untrustworthy, about neighborliness and how to engage with that. Mm-hmm. You're a new transplant from Pittsburgh. You're new to the neighborhood. Can you talk about your own personal interaction of how you try to be a, a Christian neighbor, a good neighbor? Yeah, it's been very interesting moving here um, from Minnesota because, of course, Pennsylvania is, is purple. Minnesota is deep blue. And so... Uh, in Minnesota, I could, you know, I could pretty much assume when I met someone for the first time, like I know where their politics are going to be. And since I don't really like to talk shop outside of yeah. my work time, I I, sure. I knew what the pitfalls would be. I could steer clear here. I have no idea they could land absolutely anywhere. Um, I mean, honestly, I think that there is a lot of wisdom in the old taboo about talking politics in with folks in most mm-hmm. contexts. Um, you know, there are some people who can sort of maintain like a, a dispassionate interest and really want to have like sort of that policy conversation with you. And it can be a legitimately friendly argument. Um, I don't think that's where most of us land. And I don't think that's where our especially online media habits encourage us to land. Everything happens sort of in a tribal context now where it's when you read when you're consuming political media, it's not like you're sitting down at the table with your paper, your physical paper anymore. It's like um, it's like hearing hearing something while you're surrounded by your, your team and your fans in the stadium, right? Like there's there's so many people yelling about it, and so I think we've sort of lost. Most of us have lost the capacity to to talk about this well, um, including in real life. And so if we're trying to be neighborly most of the time. I would say. Don't don't talk. Don't bring that into your conversations. And for me, as a as a transplant, you mentioned the yard signs. You know, I thought about that a lot. Like if I was putting out a political yard sign, and then also wanted to meet my neighbors, I don't think that I think that would be an impediment to friendship. I think that it puts up a barrier between us that I don't need or want to have there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I say this to myself all the time: What's the hill I want to die on with mm. my neighbor? You know, I mean, I. I just, I would, it, it's hard enough to develop a relationship. It's, it's scary to share Christ with somebody. And so I, if I have a hard enough time doing that, the last thing I need is to put up some impediment to make it harder for me. Right. Well, if it's dangerous at church or in your small group, it's certainly dangerous in your yeah, neighborhood. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so time is running out, Bonnie. Um, I want you to tell us about the week. And your work there, and um, what sets it apart? <laughs> um, well, this is perhaps a failing of, of me to, that we should have gone over this. So I left the week in May. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so what I liked about the week. Yeah, so talk, okay, so talk about what you did there. <laughs> yeah, so I, okay. I was at the week for about seven years. Um, you can look it up at theweek.com. Um, and what's distinctive about the week was this ethos of trying to keep the news in its proper place and trying to have sort of a distillation of uh, what the conversation is about and what the major headlines are about so that you can read it quickly and you can get a sense of where the debate is, but it doesn't consume your life. Um, And so that also included on the opinion side of things, having very, very intentionally having political columnists from a a broad range of perspectives, the idea being you could sort of come and and get the the whole sense of things at at one site. Um, 
I I since gone back to freelance um, after a, a new corporate owner decided that we we wouldn't publish any opinion writing anymore. Um, which oh, I isn't that interesting? Disagreed you, with. Yeah. Okay. Um, as a as a journalism decision and as a business strategy. So, um, yeah, no. But the the print magazine of the week is still a really excellent um, and and not changed from its original format. And the idea is that you can sit down with it once a week for maybe half an hour, an hour. You read through. You know what happened in the world that week. Basically, it hits all the high points, and that's it. You don't con- you don't need to consume any other political media. Cause it's all summarized for you, um, including like the the, the opinion writing in major outlets, so you, you have a sense of like the water cooler of, of what people are talking about. That's great. Well, well, you're interesting, Bonnie, because obviously you're an excellent journalist, a fine writer, and, and you speak freely about your Christian faith. Not many writers will do that, yeah, especially in today's p- political circle. Has that put you in a difficult spot? You know, people have asked me this, and I would say, if anything, it has been uh, an advantage. Um, hmm. the 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 more I've been in, sort of like a um, more mainstream newsroom with a with a more pro- politically progressive balance of other staff, which is you know about where I would say the week was, uh, in terms of like the news team. There is a real desire to have someone with knowledge of religion and with mm. knowledge of the church mm-hmm. who can provide basically Context. to fill in their information Trans- gaps. Translate. Yeah, there's there's a you know there's not as as much of it as there should be perhaps, but there is a hunger for that. Hmm. Um. Well, I I just I think any. Uh, any inroads we can make into that area are just so important. Just, As authentic believers. Just in any sphere. I mean, we're talking in particular about journalism now and reporting, but if you're listening to this and you're an engineer or you're a baker or a banker or whatever it is, that's, it's just all about how can I be authentically a Christian in this sphere in which I work. And the, the more we can do that, the better we'll be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Bonnie's book is called Untrustworthy, The Knowledge Crisis, Breaking Our Brains, Polluting Our Politics, and Corrupting Christian Community. I think our friend David French wrote the foreword for yep, the book. that's right. Um, David was just with us yesterday. Um, and so we're super excited about this book and really excited that you were able to be here today. Yeah, thank you all again. Our pleasure. Bonnie Christian, Untrustworthy. 101.5 WORD. On the next Adventure in Odyssey. All I know is that I have to finish that adventure. Wit is more than curious about the future. An imagination station adventure about death. And seems determined to learn more. Stop the program. Oh, wait. But will he ever come back? Oh, no. Doctor, hey, somebody help. Only time will tell on the next Adventure in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. When you need your dollar to go further, you need the original mattress factory. We hand build our mattresses and box springs in our factories and sell them factory direct in our own stores. We cut out the middleman and pass the savings on to you. You get a better quality mattress at a better price compared to mainstream brands. When your wallet is feeling the squeeze everywhere from the gas pump to the grocery store, real value is more important than ever. Visit an original mattress factory location today to see our factory direct difference for yourself. Experts estimate that return rates for some online mattress companies may be as high as 20%. That's because the only way to know if a mattress is the right fit for you is to test it out before you buy The original Mattress Factory's no-pressure shopping experience means you can take all the time you need to find the mattress that meets your needs. You can even see how we hand-build our products in our local factory showroom. 
Visit an OMF location near you to experience the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Trish heard one of our radio ads recently and gave us a yell. Ryan, she said, I keep hearing that mortgage interest rates are annoyingly up, but I'll keep it real. I'm struggling with bills. I haven't taken a vacation in years, and my back patio looks like Godzilla visited. And then I keep hearing how much home values have gone up. Would it be wrong to pull that new cash out of my home to use for this stuff? It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And yes, rates are annoyingly up. And so for some, it could be wrong to do a cash out refinance. But for others, the recent home value rush is still a once in a lifetime opportunity. Trish eliminated her credit card debt, turned the backyard into an oasis, and kept some money back for a vacation and rainy days. And her plan is, when these annoying rates settle back down, she'll refinance then to lower the rate. If you're curious what a cash out refinance would look like for you, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing number 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Here's how we long for Skechers hands-free slip-in footwear. The world has gone hands-free. However, if you want to put on a pair of sneakers, you still need to bend down and help your feet in. Until now. Introducing Skechers hands-free slip-in footwear. You don't need to reach down to help your heel in. You just step into them and off you go. So what's the secret? Well, there's a special smooth comfort pillow in the heel that helps your foot slide into place. And they stay on just like a pair of laced up sneakers get hands-free slip-ins at a sketcher store sketchers.com or wherever stylish footwear is sold does this make sense does what make sense watching election returns yeah it makes perfect sense i think it's high drama Mm -hmm. i like it a lot Okay. Yeah, I look forward to this evening. I really do. Okay. I mean, I, I wanted to see all the talking heads. I float from channel to channel. Okay. Ideology to ideology. Sure. Everybody, you know, sort of chimes in with their two cents. This is kind of like all the all the burn of all the political ads. This is the high point of the pyramid. This is like the best of the best. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Super Bowl Sunday or something if you're into if you're into politics, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I makes it, for me it makes perfect sense. I'm excited for tonight. Yeah. Okay. Why are you like super dismissive here? Well, I doesn't guess because it doesn't make sense. What well, makes you're not going to watch? Aren't you I'll interested? Watch so I'll I'll watch it before I go to bed. Before I go to bed, I'll turn something on. Yeah. About twelve thirty in the morning, I'm gonna just I'll turn on. I'll do the Fox News, CNN, MSNBC dance. Yeah. I'll see what people are saying, and before then, I'm I'm not doing it. Listen. When, because what am I doing? I'm just there to to I, I'm there to following tor- the arc to torture myself. No, no. When Trump won in 2016, that was high drama. That was the greatest night was. of political returns in the history was, of live it was television. So shocking. It, it was, was fabulous. Well, no, wait. It was right up there with the with uh, Al Gore taking Florida because and he, them calling it back. Well, you see, like oh, it was epic. The certainty You're of right. these people. It was epic. Okay, uh, but keep in mind, when was that happening? That wasn't happening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. No, it was, was happening, happening at, at 2.30, Which is why, if you follow my perspective and start watching at 12.30 in the morning, I'm telling you it's emotionally healthier. That's when it starts to make sense. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, does this make sense? I, I, I was in the store the other day, and a, a woman was waiting on me. Her eyes looked like she was a, uh, a burning demon from hell, and she had colored contact lenses in. Oh. And I was like, what the heck is going on with those eyeballs? They were kind of scary. 
But you see people with those like high intensity contact lenses, and I go, that doesn't make any sense to me because I'm, ex- you know, I'm having yeah. a, like a little thing, you know, exchanging information, and I'm looking at her going. What happened in your life that you had to present yourself in this way? I'm sorry. I was making that harsh judgment. They were. But it was like a look she was going for, obviously. It wasn't like she was was tired and she needed Visine. She was going for, like, that crazy look. It worked. She was thinking it was worked for her. Does that make sense, those colored contact lenses? No, no, no. You're absolutely right about that. I mean, I see it, and I know it's a fashion choice, but it's not my fashion choice. I don't. I feel like that's fashion one step too far. Like, should we really be able to manipulate that? It's extreme. Can't we just go with what we have? I don't know. Maybe it's just my age. Colored contact lenses, no, they don't make any sense to me. Sense. Election night coverage makes perfect sense. No, you got to wait till later. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, and I'm thrilled to share season four of my Dashing Dish cooking show with you. From cheeses to chocolate and more... Discover a healthy twist on classic dishes that will delight even the pickiest eaters. Watch Dashing Dish for simply delicious, guilt-free recipes. Tuesdays at 9 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. Watch and learn more at ctvn.org. Hi, I'm Al Abaroa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth. Inflation is a problem, markets are volatile, and the risk of running out of money in retirement is real. That's why I love annuities and you should too. Your financial advisor doesn't want you to know that with our annuity strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year, and when the stock market goes down, your annuity won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and you should only invest if you learn the facts, and that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500 and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to use safe, low-fee annuities to build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. You were created for a purpose. Geneva College can help you find it, follow it, and fulfill it. As you boldly answer God's call to live faithfully and intentionally in service to others. Together with Geneva, you'll embark on a journey of discovery with professors and peers who are integrating faith and learning, thinking constructively and creatively. As you learn to understand your world, develop expertise in your field of study, and find meaning and purpose in your life's work. Ranked one of the best value schools in regional universities north by U.S. News and World Report, Geneva offers over 195 undergraduate majors and programs to help you discover the compelling significance of God's calling. Geneva College, you were made for this. Explore what interests you at geneva.edu slash academics. Get smarter every day at ozzy.com. Try a new news site that tells you about the most interesting people, places, and ideas. Discover the next Obama or maybe the next LeBron James. Try ozy.com right now. Ozzy, it's like a latte for your mind. Get some. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
do you feel about digging? What do you mean digging? Digging out a garden bed. Digging. Oh, yeah. On... yeah like a, a pick and a shovel? Yeah. Not bad. I, I, I kind of enjoy that. That's like satisfying work for you? My brother, his first job was a grave digger. He spent, and this was like, you know, a, a guy with a pick and a shovel. Really? Yeah, like at 16. And he would come home, and, and I, you know, I, I just, my brother's six years older than me. So I looked at him and I thought, that guy's a superhero. I mean, wow. Yeah. So there's something satisfying about being in the dirt, right? With a pick and a shovel and then digging a hole. I've got uh, one of my family members spends his uh, career as a, he erects fences. Like, you know, yeah. residential yeah, fences. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I he spends his life, house. you know, with one of those, I don't even know what the, the thing is. Yeah, you're right. He digs down right, under the poles. Right. I mean, day after day after day, it's okay. all he's doing. He's digging holes to put <laughs> fence posts in, which is super cool. Yeah. Very satisfying. Because you see, like, I'm, like I know what I'm talking about. Here I am sitting behind a microphone and I don't have a, a callus on my hand. Right. But when you dig a hole, at least you see the fruits of your labor. Yeah, and so for those of us that live in the digital world, it's hard to see the fruits of our labor because it just has no, to do with our phone and our, you know, whatever the heck else it is. Uh, we both saw an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Uh, it's entitled, Stressed Out, Grab a Shovel, Dig a Hole. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it, it, basically, it, it's singing the praises of digging, but also talking about how digging has become a big deal recently. What do you mean? Well... It's always a big deal. It's all it's always a big deal, but like for example, I was on Twitter just last night and I saw uh something come across my feed that had gotten a lot of attention and a lot of likes and retweets and such. What? And it was about a guy in France who has a relatively small backyard. Yeah. And he started digging it out uh maybe 2 years ago and there was a picture of it. He has unearthed a whole Oh. Uh like I don't mean a, an H-O-L-E, a W-H-O-L-E, a stone uh, wall system that is underneath his backyard. What? That was like, it looks... It looks like there's a a portion of a bridge. It looks like it has a portion of a like a garden bed area. It looks like it has a portion that could be for something like prayer or meditation or something. And this is what he this man does in his free time is he just goes into his backyard and, and starts digging. And he has uncovered this unbelievable thing. He's been in touch with archaeologists in his area to kind of say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And so they kind of come and check on it. But he's like excavating a previous civilization on his property. <laughs> that is cool. I mean, what are the odds you're going to find something like that in your backyard? Isn't that outrageous? Yeah. So you could see, I mean, it's become like life's work for him in some way. He said, this is what I do. Like, this is what he gets excited about when he gets up in the morning. Every day is what he's going to find in his backyard. Are there photographs of it? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. And beautiful to behold, I'm sure, the well, stonework. Well, there's one photograph I saw. I don't know if he if he posted other ones because I never heard of this guy until last night. It's really fabulous. Really? I'll pull it up for you. Anyway, so it just – between that and, you know, this article in the Wall Street Journal is long and it goes into the joys of digging holes. You know, video clips involve, you know, students on spring break stripping to their waists and putting their backs into one physical real world thing for an extended period of time, which is basically what this guy I'm talking about in France is doing. Wow. You know, he's making this kind of his homegrown hobby.
And then he talks about, you know, the article goes on to talk about people who work in supercomputers, who, who a guy, Seymour Gray, who was a pioneer in that field, would work on a tunnel under his home. Every time he hit a stumbling block in his work in supercomputers, yeah. he would go down and do something physical, what? some physical labor that he said would like clear his mind. And often that's when he would come up with the solution to his problem. Winston well, Churchill, remember? Yeah. Um, Built that wall? No. Oh, he was a bricklayer. Oh, that's right, of course. And at his country home, Chartwell, he would build on the weekends or whenever he was there, he'd work on his wall, mm-hmm. laying brick. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. I knew that he was a painter. I did not know that he was a bricklayer. He was a Renaissance man, what he yeah. was. Yeah, but can you imagine? I'm sure the wall's still standing, right? It's become a thing, mm-hmm. right? Another guy in the uh, Wall Street Journal article talks about um, the fact that a, a truck sank through the sidewalk close to his house, okay? And um, he it was, of course, almost a catastrophe. No one was hurt, but it exposed that there was, you know, a major weakness in the neighborhood. Anyway, it exposed a whole network of tunnels, <laughs> which was reaching out from his home and going all over their entire neighborhood. So it just opened up this whole new, like, who were the people that Wait a lived second. here 500 years? What were That's they doing? That's crazy. Really? Isn't it? Yeah, it's a very interesting article. So anyway, whether you're digging, you know, a, a a hole at the beach because you want to build a sand castle or you decide you want to start your own home, uh, you know, project where you want to see who lived in your yard before you did, you know, there could be some benefit to it. I love it. That's a great story. Okay. Hey, before we leave, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, newspaper carrier, uh, Jennifer Colasari. Uh, she was uh, like all newspaper carriers today. You know, they drive around. There's no paper boy anymore. So you're, you're a news carrier, and you probably have several hundred customers. So before the sun came up, uh, she was delivering papers on Monday. She was in Terenum, and uh, she was trying to l- look at a few changes to her newspaper route when she was driving down the street in uh, Natrona Heights, and she saw some smoke coming out of someone's house. She pulled over, and first she thought, "Is is that fog?" But then she could smell that it was smoke. So um, she was got out of the car. She ran up these people's steps, and there was smoke pulling out of a person's house. An elderly woman was on the floor. Oh, my gosh. And her husband, the elderly woman's husband, was trying to rescue this woman, drag her out of the house. But he was a very old man. He had no muscle strength to do this. So this woman, she's 38, Jennifer. She dragged the woman out on the front porch. Just at that point, another person in the neighborhood came by. So the three of them, the husband, the passerby, and the newspaper person, dragged this woman to safety. The fire department was called. Apparently, the fire wasn't bad enough that the structure was being saved. But clearly, this woman's life was saved because of the newspaper carrier. That is super cool. Can you imagine? I love that story. I mean, Good for her. Yeah. People... Oftentimes, okay, okay. so both of these stories to me speak a similar thing, hmm. which is when we live in the digital world, we often feel like what we're doing doesn't matter. Right. And oftentimes it doesn't. <laughs> but more often than not. It, it, I mean, okay. But, get, but getting out, talking to people, digging a hole, getting to know people in your neighborhood. I mean, I, I think that we, those of us who do work in the space of... We're not isolated. Online, everything. We can't be isolated. We're we not have, isolated. We to, but we have to fight against that isolation. Well, look at today. Today of all days. This is a go say hi to people in your neighborhood. And go out and vote. Yes, be part of it. that, right? That, you know. And thank your poll workers. Mm-hmm. God bless those people for making this happen. Right. 
Thanks an awful lot. This is still a great country. You know that sure is. is. We're Despite so all of our foibles. We're so privileged to live here. Democracy lives on. That's right. God bless Load us. Put it up. Have yourself a great night, and God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.